The content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult a healthcare professional with any medical questions and concerns. If you are experiencing an emergency or need immediate help, call 911. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapeutic relationship. I just get so angry. It's hard to sit still. I don't want to be this way. My brain just feels all scrambled. Welcome to Scrambled. This is your co-host, Nikki Shields. And I'm Chad Douglas. This is episode 42, putting the me in mental health. Yes, because we wanted to do this episode to focus on you, the listener, and making sure you're taking care of yourself. And I go back to some folks, if you have someone in your family who's battling cancer and they've got a caretaker, like the the two of you are going through the treatments. Uh, the person, the patient is, is getting the chemotherapy or the radiation, but that caretaker is going through a lot too. And I always tell people um, if they're, they're um, helping a loved one go through this, it's like, take care of the caretaker because they need to be well to take care of the patient. And I, I think I use the same analogy here. If you've got a kiddo with a mental health condition, take care of yourself too. So you're in a good shape to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes total sense. And well, this time you asked that question. Usually I'm the one saying, does that make sense? <laughs> Thank you for I, taking my line. I, I thought I'll the same thing. Yeah, hmm. you took my line. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so a really, really big part of handling childhood mental health is parents being able to find the groove with their own mental health. And what what I think is important to realize about mental health, it's sort of like self-esteem or your budget or weight management. These aren't things that you just achieve and you're done. It's it's mm-hmm. stuff you have to work at for your whole life. And for some okay. people, it's a battle. It's a lifelong battle. For others, it's a lifelong struggle. For others, it's a lifelong, you know, effort. It just, you know, however you define it is is perfectly fine. But it just knowing that it's it's not something that you go, oh, I did that. I'm okay now. You know, you don't see a therapist three times like, okay, I've got mental health. You know, it's <laughs> it, it really is an ongoing process of, you know, checking in with yourself, checking in with those around you, taking care of, you know, overall wellness and making sure those things are lined up so that you can be at your best. And sometimes you're not going to be at your best. And that's, that's what this episode is about is, is how do you sort of assess how you're doing? How do you check in with yourself? What do you do to kind of get back in the groove of things? Right. And ideally you want to notice it in yourself, I think, but what can you tell friends and family members of someone what to look for mm-hmm. in one of their loved ones or friends? I often tell families that uh, the people around you are going to notice when you're struggling, maybe even before you do, right? Mm -hmm. So they might, you know, even, not even just kids. I mean, we're talking about adults right now. Um, I know that other people can tell when I'm irritable or crabby or distant or short-tempered or whatever, you know, descriptor you want to put there. And they might notice it before I am able to self-reflect and go, huh, I've really been grumpier the last couple of weeks. And a lot of times a a check-in with yourself starts with feedback from somebody else. Maybe it's your, your boss or your leader at work. Maybe it's a colleague saying, are you okay? You just don't seem like yourself. Maybe it's your kid saying, you've been so mean this week, you know, or maybe, maybe it's your spouse or significant another going, Hey, you know, what's going on? Like you've been very short tempered or you seem very distant. Those are all cues that your environment Mm -hmm. gives you to help you start that process of checking in and going, Hmm, how am I? What is going on? What am I doing to take care of me right now? What am I not doing? And then do you tell the person 
Hey. So, okay, yeah, I, I realized as I was prattling on there, Chad, I didn't actually answer your initial question. So <laughs> we'll go back to that. Yeah. So what, what I can tell family and friends is if you're observing in a loved one that they appear to be struggling, you know, it's it's important to to find a way to mention it. Like if you ignore it, it will not go away. Like that's that's just not how it works. But mm-hmm. it's also can be a really delicate issue. And, and depending on the person, they may not be super receptive to your feedback. And so a really good way to bring up a hard conversation with someone is just to say, hey, you know, I care about you. Can I be honest with you about something? And then share it, but be kind, you know, mm. you're being such a jerk probably isn't the best way to get someone to think about their own well-being, right? Right. Or to uh, receive that information, yeah. you know, nicely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make you want to go, oh, you're right. I better, I better step back and see what's going on. But saying, gosh, I just noticed you seem, you know, kind of disconnected or it seems like you've been really grumpy the last couple of days. Is something going on? Is there something I can help you with? Or are you having a hard time with something? Those are questions that, that work for almost any age group. I mean, you know, from kids on up to adulthood, just saying, I've noticed, you know, what is this about? Or is there something I can do to help? Um, That can bridge that gap and help people start to see. And if somebody says, I'm fine, you know, no, nothing, you know, okay, honor it, respect it, but then, you know, revisit it. And so it it also depends. I think that the answer to that question really is dependent upon who it is. You know, if if it's my significant other, I'm unlikely to let it go. I might back off in the moment because I've realized, well, hey, this is a good, not a good time. Maybe, you know, he's not feeling like talking about things right now, but I'm going to come back to it because I care and I want to make sure things are okay. If it's my teenager and I'm checking in and I'm getting like, I'm not interested. Okay. All right. Back off for now, but I'm going to try again. I'm going to come up with another way. Now, if it's my colleague or if it's a, an extended relative or something like that, you know, I, I'm going to try to know my boundaries and just, I can, I can bring it up. I can ask, I can try. But if they don't want to talk about it, they're turns out they're grown. Yeah, you can always say too, like, "Well, I'm here. If you are, yeah. shoot me yeah. a text. If you change if you your mind, email. let me know." Yeah, yep. and that way you've at least extended the offer that you're willing to at least listen. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you can help with the problem remains to be seen. What the problem is, I guess. Huh? Yeah. What What about within yourself? I mean, I know me better than anyone else on the planet, or at least I thought I did until we did the uh, masking episode, and I was like, I have no idea who I am anymore. <laughs> We both had an existential crisis. Yes, exactly. Was, yeah. But how how can you find that within yourself to say, you know, s- something's not necessarily wrong, but something just isn't right? Once you decide, hey, you know, I need to I need to check in with myself, or or you're recognizing that something's not quite right, you do have some options, and and you know, depending on your personality, who you are, how you deal with problems in general, will determine kind of what path you take. And so, one option is to deal with it yourself. And I don't say that with any you know negative judgment or anything. I oftentimes, when I realize I'm struggling with something, I deal with it myself, right? I I figure out what the issue is, I figure out the contributing factors, and then I figure out what I need to do to overcome that. Um, some people would rather have support. And so maybe then it's, you know, talking about it with a family member, a loved one, or a friend. Maybe it's reaching out to a counselor. Maybe it's talking to your primary care physician. Um, there's, there's lots of other things you can do individually to start to kind of figure out what's at the heart of it. And I'll get into that in a minute. But once you, you know, recognize, Hey, you know, I need to, I need to check in. I need to see what's going on. I, I'm, they're right. Or so-and-so said, I've seemed grumpy. What is that about? You can decide to kind of deal with it on your own. And that's perfectly okay for some people. But sometimes you need help, you know, and if it, a good sign that you might need some help with it is, is if you really don't see it, if everybody around you is saying, Hey, you know, mm. I'm noticing this about you and, and you're just not seeing it, it might be a really good idea to, to reach out for some help, get some more feedback, talk to someone who might be able to, you know, help you process whatever is going on. I guess at that point, you've got to kind of 
tear down the wall around yourself and in your your pride or your ego, whatever, to mm-hmm. to take everyone else at their word and go, maybe I do need to look inward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and pride and ego can can be very debilitating if you let them take over. Pride and ego are what keep us from saying, "Hey, I have a problem and I need to address it." It's it's yeah. what keeps us from acknowledging that somebody else might be right or that we might be missing something or that the choices we've made aren't solid. And it, I say that can get our Get, get us in trouble a lot of times. And so, um, but the thing about ego and pride and things like that is we don't always realize when that's in the way, you know, it, it takes a lot of self-reflection to go, huh, that was an ego thing. You know, that's my pride stopping me, you know, yeah. that, that takes a lot of thought. Well, speaking of pride, I'll go ahead and lay this out because this, this episode idea was my idea. Um, we both bring ideas to the table, but last fall, I, um, I guess, first of all, I should tell you, I am really, really good at holding grudges. I'm like, <laughs> you know, A plus student. It is the, by uh, far, bar none, the least favorite quality of myself. You know, I I don't want to hold grudges, but I can't. That's the way I'm wired, I guess. Yeah, whatever. So I have a hard time letting things go. And last fall, I got a text from someone and it just sent me over the edge. And I got real angry over something stupid and ended up talking to that person later. They explained their side. We had a lovely conversation. And uh, between that text and talking to that person, I told my wife, I go, you know what? I think I need to see somebody because I'm getting angry over really stupid things. Um, I just, I'm, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing anything. I have no zest to come home. You know, I'm a, of a decent age where I should have energy. And I, I just wasn't. So I went to the doctor and, and talked about it and, and started on a, on a plan of, of better in my mental health. So it was one of those where with me, I did see it. I don't know if anyone externally saw it in me and, and never said anything, but I'm glad I found it. Um, and I'm still, you know, it's a process. It's not like I'm yeah. you know, hunky dory all now. If, if I had my druthers, I'd be in bed asleep right now instead of recording this podcast. <laughs> but it's just a matter of <laughs> taking that step. And, you know, being honest, I, I won't say I bragged about it. That's the wrong, but to my coworkers, I talked about it openly because it's like, you know, I do this whole podcast on childhood mental health and promoting it and talking about it, starting conversations and gosh, darn it. This one hit right in my head. So (laughs) I need to talk about it. So that's why I thought we need to do this episode and tell parents it's okay not to be okay. Right. As stereotypical as that is. And you got to take care of yourself and check in with yourself, check in with your, uh, your partner and your loved ones. So you guys can be there for your kid who does not have that fully developed brain, who doesn't understand as much as we do as adults and just be there and, and get the help that you need. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a good point, which is oftentimes the the need to to check in or do something for your own mental health starts because of your response to an event, right? So like you said, a text message from someone that really upset you. And then as you're processing your reaction and working through it, you're realizing, wow, I like got really stuck on that or that really bothered me more than I think it should. What's going on? Like what what's at the heart of this for me? And so um, typically what will prompt people to reach out and, and get started um, with medication or with counseling or any other type of support in that way is 
is their response to something is stronger than they think it's going to be. Someone passes away and they're like, I thought I understood grief, but like, I just can't, you know, get through this one. Or they have a relationship breakup or a job change or a, just a minor stressor. Even it could be a minor inconvenience that just makes you lose it. And you go, Whoa, hold on. What is going on for me? You know? And a lot of times for people with mental health, you, you can carry so much, right? Like that, that analogy of like, you you can only have so much room on your plate. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you carry it around and you can take it, you can take it. This is fine. I can handle this. No problem. Keep going. Everything's fine. And then that last straw, like that last thing that goes on the plate, just, it just implodes and you, you, you fall apart. And, and maybe the thing that pushed you over the edge was a very small thing. Maybe it was a, yeah. somebody was rude to you, or maybe, you know, someone, you know, said something that hurt your feelings or somebody ignored you or somebody didn't text you back or just, it doesn't matter. Something small. And you're like over the top about it. That's usually a pretty good indicator that you've got something you need to kind of unpack and, and maybe you yeah. need to unpack it physically by, you know, getting some activity, getting a break, doing some coping skills. Maybe you need to unpack it by uh, talking about it. And, you know, or maybe it's, maybe it's things have just gotten so out of whack. You have to start with medication to kind of get the ball rolling so you can do some of those other things. And, um, but it's just that you brought that up. That was such a perfect example. A lot of times it starts with something that you're like, whoa, why did that reaction come out? You know, where did that come from? Yeah, it was exactly that. And uh, two quick points from that, and then we can move on. Was one of the coolest thing that came out of that event was it mentioned that I, you know, freaked out a little bit, then had a conversation with the person. In that conversation with that person, they opened up to me of some of their mental health struggles, and it was like mm-hmm. a bonding moment of like, this is common, and people yeah. need to talk about it more. And so when I went to see my primary care physician, we had a great, very honest, open. Uh, talk. And I appreciated that a, he took me seriously and B, he was like, okay, let's, let's nip this in the bud. Let's, let's go after it. So that was something that was nice to hear too, that it was just received well from Mm -hmm. a a medical professional. Yeah. I think that makes a big difference because if you walk in and they, they sort of minimize or laugh it off or don't acknowledge it or say, ah, I don't know what you're going to do. You know, like that would be the worst, you know, you've, you've decided I'd like to address this. And then the the people you turn to for support don't, don't, oh, that's that's right. Cause I would have been like, Okay, then it's, there's nothing there. I'm, nothing. I'm a fool yeah. and I'm going to leave. But no, it yeah. was it was very seriously and very seriously mm-hmm. taken, and and I appreciate yeah. that. And I do think that the the medical world is much more embracing of the mental health world right now. It used to be there was like the medical model and then there's mental health, which is, was treated very, very differently. Yes, we had psychiatric medications and yes, there were mental health hospitals and things like that, but it was, it was very difficult. But now I I think both sides embrace the other because on the mental health side, we very much believe that the medical well-being is important and and doctors and physicians and nurses and NPs all play a really critical role in overall well-being, including emotional health. Um, But I also have seen the, the medical world just reach out and say, Hey, you know, we need, we want your help over here. We need your help in the medical world. The the mental health stuff was really important to us and it all really goes together nicely. So I'm glad that you have that positive experience. Yeah. So let's talk about some coping mechanisms and that, that, that people can use if they have suddenly realized, Oh my gosh, this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this podcast changed my life and I need to check in on myself. (laughs) Let's unpack. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm going to go with some of my favorites and and I acknowledge I have enough insight to know that this isn't going to be a fit for everybody, but we'll share lots of different ideas so that you can kind of find something that does fit for you. Um, I 
absolutely love those like journals that come with prompts. You know what I mean? Where you, you have like 365 prompts or maybe it's, you know, I've even found funny ones that have like adult swear words in them. And they're, they're like, they're being lighthearted and silly, but every day you fill out a page or every day you answer a question or every day you journal on whatever prompt that they give you. I love those. And the reason I do is because what I know, and maybe again, this is where it could just be me. I don't know that everybody has this experience, but when I'm writing, I accidentally Mm. uncover things I didn't know were there. So if I'm writing about something that's happened to me, a lot of times I think it's one thing, but once the words start to come out on paper, I'm like, oh, that's Ah. what happened. That was, I was actually way more upset about this than what I thought. So, um, I love those kind of things because I think they don't take a lot of effort. I just keep one on my desk at work. And at the end of the day or whenever I have time in the day, um, I'll pick a page and I'll answer the question. And I am like endlessly surprised at how productive it is to just write, you know, like a little paragraph. It unpacks something for me. It opens up a door. It gives me something to think about. It just kind of helps me move forward on stuff that I maybe didn't even know I was stuck on. And so any sort of journaling, writing, you know, um, I'm trying to think. Well, before you move on too much past yeah. the writing, like what, give us an example or two of what you write. Like, how do you know uh, I'm going to write about uh, sunshine today or flowers or mm-hmm. my cat? Like, what do you, how do you choose what to, to write? It, it depends on the the book. So you can buy specific ones that, that literally have a different question or a different prompt each day. Gotcha. Um, you can buy some that are themed. Uh, and so I wish I had the one in front of me because I could tell you more about it. But it's uh, it's kind of funny. It's got some swear words in it, but it, it's talk- <laughs> it's inner peace. But um, they, they put some more clever things in it to make it uh, more relatable. And so okay. each page is a different aspect of overall wellness. And so one is letting things go, you know, like not carrying around stuff you don't need to. And so it's got like some questions and some journal prompts and some like a little activity, like what are some things you're carrying around that you don't need to? What would it be like to let those go? How would it feel if you didn't carry those around anymore? And it's it's su- super neat because I'll just randomly open to a page. And it's funny how often that page kind of connects with something that's going on for Release me that on that day. Yeah. And so each day is a little bit different like that. But I've seen many other versions. You can also just get a plain old notebook. I mean, they have a million different cool looking leather journals and, and notebooks. And you can do it electronically. There's online journals. There's Word documents or the Google. <laughs> you can use any sort of typing, writing platform to do that chat gpt or whatever yeah write my my own ai you know there's an uh, electronic notebook that a friend of mine had at a meeting one day and i was like ooh, you know i'm gadgety so i'm looking at it i'm writing i've been waiting for an excuse to get one of those and maybe that's Mm -hmm. it it's like i will journal every day if i can really use your techie thing yes exactly that's exactly right it lasts about three days and i'll get more (laughs) <laughs> there's also apps that you can do that kind of like daily thing. Like it'll ask, it'll prompt you to to do something or say something at a random time each day and you do that. But those are things I like because it, it untaps or opens up something that might otherwise just kind of hang out under the surface because there's no space for it in your busy daily life. So um, we can, we can kind of categorize that as like writing for mental health. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. And honestly, if people are looking for like, where do I start? I would get a notebook and I would just, call it your gratitude journal and just every day write a little something about what you're grateful for on that day. And, and I know we've talked about gratitude mm-hmm. before, and I know that, um, you know, there are those that kind of roll their eyes at that idea, but it is very powerful in, in changing your thinking and helping you to kind of recognize what, what you might not be so grateful for, which might be the thing that you need to tackle. And so that's a simple way to get started, but you know, I've seen it, um, dollar stores and, um, five below in different stores like that, 
that you could just go in and for three to five dollars, you can get a really cool little journal that just helps you kind of open the door to your unconscious uh, whenever you want. And so that's one one category of okay. ways to get started. What else we got? I mean, I'm thinking sometimes what helps me and, and I like you don't know if this is for everyone, but writing in general, um, I had a blog a few years ago. I mean, I guess it's still there. It's on the internet. But if something like I would wake up in the morning and just get struck with an idea and I would just hammer it out real quickly and post it and go on. And then I would feel better if I'd feel kind of like my emotional feelings getting clogged up. That was a nice release for me. I don't do that much anymore. So maybe that's part of my problem is I need to, to do that. Something else that helped me during pandemic time, uh, my wife and I both, we would go for long walks. I mean, mm -hmm. like three, four miles and just a nice brisk walk just because everything was shut down. So that was a one way to get fresh air and get out and clear your mind, throw a podcast on and go. Um, mm -hmm. Exercise has helped with me. Um, mm -hmm. Different classes. Classes work really well for me because somebody tells me what to do. I don't just go into a weight room and be like, uh, that what do I do hard. with this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a torture device, I'm pretty sure. And uh, so <laughs> those are things that, that just kind of help me. And I and to be honest with you, after what I just revealed, I haven't really done those at all lately. So, huh. So I guess you know what you need to do when we're so. done with this episode. But I actually exercise Grossly. was going to be <laughs> a good nap would would probably be. It's good. not even but, that late. <laughs> uh, but the the exercise was going to be my next point too because as as much as I you know like I'm only newly into this period of my life where I realized how critical physical activity is to our wellness. Like I preached it mm -hmm. for a lot of years, but I didn't always practice what I preach. And so now mm -hmm. um, I have a, a standard rule: thirty minutes every single day, no matter what, doesn't matter if it's raining, wow. snowing, as long as I'm not sick, you know, too sick to do it, it, it happens. And, and what I, the reason I do it, it's, it's not necessarily for just the physical parts of my health, although it does help with that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's for emotional stuff for 30 yeah. minutes. I can shut off my to-do list for 30 minutes. I don't have to think about anything that I don't want to think about. And I can kind of take control of my thoughts. I can listen to a book or a podcast or music or whatever I'm feeling in the moment and, and just, you know, watch the sky. I love to walk at night so I can see the stars. And so physical activity is a really, really great way to check in. I know we're, we're not talking necessarily about how to deal with your mental health stuff, but a really good way to check in is to take time like that for yourself. Because when yeah. you're doing that, you're not working. You're not arguing with your kids. Hopefully you're, you're not dealing with you're you're taking a break for yourself. And a lot of your thoughts will kind of tell you what's going on for you. If you, if you are just quietly walking, like I know we said, you know, podcast books, things like that are fun to listen to, but if you really want to check in, take a walk and enjoy the silence and see where your mind goes. You might be surprised at what surfaces and what you realize, huh, I haven't been allowing myself to think about this thing. You know, how have you not fallen in a giant hole? If you walk at night and look at the stars, <laughs> I can't say that I haven't. Um, I do look forward for most of the walk, but periodically I will pause and look up and I'll see some really cool stuff. And so, All right, fair, um, fair. yeah. And, and when you walk, another thing about physical activity, and, and again, I feel like we're venturing into, you know, what to do to be well, but actually that's pretty darn related because that's, that's what we're talking about, me and mental health. Um, mm -hmm. When you walk every day, and I prefer to do it outside, although mm -hmm. I've had to go places when it's really bad. When you walk every day, you get to see every season. You get to see, you just get to experience all of nature. And I, it was really powerful for me to walk on a really, really cold day or a really, really rainy yeah. day and to do it anyway. It was, I just felt like at one with the earth. And I know that sounds silly. And I, I can see my sisters rolling their eyes as they hear this, but um, it was very, very powerful. And I think, it, you know, for my mental health, it doesn't get much better than that. Right. It just yeah. just that 
this is this is the most real thing I'm doing right now and nothing else matters and I'm doing this for me and and I, it's powerful. So I, I recommend nature and physical activity. Since this is putting the me in mental health, um, I think we need to reiterate because you just said it like it's okay to do something for yourself. Because mm-hmm. I think when parents with their kids, they think they, they got to put their kids first and da 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 da. And, and you do, you know, don't get me wrong. But take a day, take an hour, take 30 minutes to yourself, go read the book, go for that walk in the snow, whatever, <laughs> whatever is going to help. I think as a society, we kind of feel badly that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking care of myself, a little self love, so to speak. Um, one other thing I do, see, it's, it's, it's like putting the chat in middle health. <laughs> so I've hijacked the episode. But I'll, I'll do a massage every other month. And the, the goal was mm-hmm. I do one one month, my wife does one. And so every other month we're taking care of ourselves. To keep that, when I'm done with that massage, I make the appointment for two months down the road. That way I, it's on my schedule I knew, mm-hmm. and I know to keep it. My wife does not do that. So she doesn't do that as often as she should because she needs to do that mm-hmm. as, as well. Those are all really, really awesome yeah. things to have kind of in your repertoire. And they and they give you time. I mean, honestly, the, the theme, if I had to pull out from just the ideas that we're talking about here, is you sort of separate yourself from other things. You take a break. You do things that feel good, things that make you feel good, things that give you the opportunity to kind of, you know, just not focus on our problems. Like our brains are problem solvers, and that's what they do all day long. But but sometimes we need to let go of the things that, that matter so much and take up so much of our energy and just, just focus on being okay. And so writing, journaling, walking, nature, exercise, massages, all of those things are ways to, to take care of you. And, and I do know, you know, the parent guilt is a, a real thing. And I yeah. think we could do a whole episode on mom guilt and parent guilt and all the things that go into that. But, you know, 30 minutes, I, I just can't think, you know, for me, like I don't feel guilty about taking my walk because I know that's making me more present for them and more able to handle the things that they need when I get back. Right. And I also know that it's showing them how to take care of myself so that they learn how to take care of themselves. Cause they're going to learn a lot more from what they see you do than from what you tell them to do. Yeah. And so, you know, if I want my kids to be healthy and active, I'm going to be healthy and active and I'm going to show them that that's the way to live and, and all the good that can come from it. And I'm not going to feel guilty about that 30 minutes because that's my 30 minutes. Right. And eventually you get, you can go with your kids, but mm-hmm. Take the time to yourself. Take the 30 minutes and come get them and do another 30-minute walk. That's right. Yes. And if they want to join me, I always welcome it, but I just always do a little bit before, a little bit after so that I yeah. definitely get that disconnect time for my brain. And and that's that's part of it. And, and what I talk with all ages about, but it's been especially relevant with teenagers lately, is working on identifying what are the things that keep you going when everything else around you is falling apart. Right. When society's a mess, when politics are a mess, when the weather is bad, when it's winter and cold and dark and there's nowhere to go and things like that. What keeps you going? What gives hmm. you sparks of joy, interest, investment, uh, motivation? What are those things? Because you need more of those, whatever they are. And for me, it's, it's a lot of things we've just talked about. And so uh, I know that if I read a little every day, if I walk a little every day, I write a little every day, I'm a better person. I'm a better parent. I'm a better everything. And so, you know, identify what your things are. What are the threads that kind of hold you together when everything else falls apart? And that should be, I think, the basis of your mental health check-in toolkit is just knowing what do you need to be at your best? And then make sure you do it. You hit on it a little bit a couple minutes ago of, of what this does, taking care of yourself when it comes to parenting. And it just sometimes is a control alt delete on your mind and you can mm-hmm. handle what comes up from the kiddos a little easier. Yep. Yep. And I've been known to say, and I, I can't promise that I do this all the time. Sometimes I'm not as calm as I want to be, but I've been known to say, you know what? 
I'm not in the right state of mind to have this conversation. I know it's important to you, but I'm going to go walk a lap and I'll be back. And when I come back, I think I'll be more ready. You go do something you think is going to help you get back to the right state of mind to have this conversation, but we can't do it right now. I'm not going to let us do it because I know it's not going to end where either one of us wants it to, but that's hard. And I will say that that takes a lot of inner self-control and like biting through your tongue (laughs) to, to, like do that to just cut it off because our instinct is to want to defend our point of view, right. And be correct and prove yeah. to our child, you know, but we have to step back and go, Nope, I am not in the right state of mind for this. And I'm going to go take care of me for a minute. I'll be back and I'll be better for it. Um, and that's, that's a really, really hard part of parenting. And, and it's okay to call a timeout. It's okay to say, Nope, can't do this right now. The, the key though, is you, you don't want it to look to your child, like you're giving up on them or that you're not going to revisit it. It's all in how you deliver it. Like I'm going to take 15 minutes I'm going to regroup and I'll be back. And then we're going to talk again because I love you and I respect you and I don't want this to escalate. And so that's, I mean, just an example of how you can kind of use your own self-care in the moment when things are really tough with your kids. Yeah. Boy, I could use that advice literally three days ago because mm-hmm. I was standing my ground and my my brain was literally telling me, walk away. Uh-huh. But the other side of my brain was going, that's what he wants. Yes. I'm not going to let him win. Yes. Oh, man. And we could go on about that for days because it's in certain age groups, developmentally, kids, it's really tough to know. When are we pushing too hard? When do we need to let it go? When do we need to revisit it in a different state of mind? Because they don't want to let it go right then either. And so we have to be the adult and we have to say, now is not the right time. We will revisit this and, and letting them know that. And, and it's all in how you talk about it at the time too. Like it's, it's not you storming off and walking away and we're done. You know, it's, I can't do this right now in a way that's going to be helpful and I would yeah. like to be helpful. So let me, let me take a quick break. You do the same. We'll meet back here later. And the wise words of Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. Right. <laughs> and three days ago you ran, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I stood my ground and it was ugly with a capital U. Um, yep. All right. So I also was going to ask you, I'm kind of hopping all over the place there. Just a few minutes ago, you were you were talking about all the things that you need to do. And you're like, I don't often always do that. How hard is it to be a parent and a therapist? <laughs> if you don't mind me asking. How much time do you have, Chad? Um... <laughs> I mean, because you know, it's kind of like me with that thing I just said. It's like my, my brain, my, my good front lobe said, you need to just walk away and give him some space. Mm-hmm. But then my brainstem's going like, hey, dude, you're going to stay here and you're the parent. You're right. So I, you know, I haven't read books like you have and studied everything. So what is that like? <laughs> well, you know, some days it's awesome. And then other days I want to climb out of my own skin because I know what I should do. And, but I, yeah. I'm not really always as good as executing it as I'd like to think I am. And so I can give you a good example of recently, uh, we were having a particular, um, really difficult conversation with one of our children and it wasn't going well, it was escalating. And I needed to excuse myself. I knew on the one half of my brain, I knew exactly what needed to be said and done and what was going to help, but I mm-hmm. couldn't physically do it. And I literally left, went downstairs, sat on the couch, texted my husband what to say. I gave him the words that I knew were needed, the the messages and the and the actions that I knew would help de-escalate the situation, but I was not capable of delivering them myself. I was too emotionally invested and keyed up to do them 
But if I can separate and not have it in my face, I was then capable of coaching him. And he wasn't super receptive at first. I mean, I'm sure there was the, don't tell me how to, but then he realized what I was doing. And that if I were in a better state of mind myself, I, these are the things I would have done that I think would have been helpful. And it worked and everything, yes, everything settled down. Everybody got to the other side of the mountain, you know, and then I came back upstairs and we were good. And so sometimes it's really, really hard because I do know what I should do. I generally have a script in my head for it, but that doesn't mean I can deliver it. And I think that that is, that is a huge challenge. It's, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's written on the wall. I know exactly what I, I can't, I'm too frustrated yeah, to do it. Because yeah. you're human. Yep. Yeah. That's just it. And, and I'm just as human as everybody else. And I struggle with exactly the same impulses and urges and frustrations as other parents. Uh, but I, I, I do sometimes know the right answer. I just can't always get there. Um, and that's why mental health for myself is a really, really important thing to put energy into because the better I take care of me, the more likely it is I'm going to be able to implement the things I know that are best for my kids. If I'm a hot mess and I'm struggling and I am not handling myself very well and not taking good care of myself, the kids are going to get the crumbs, right? They're going to get the the underside of, of all of my good intentions. And um, I don't want that for them. Right. And I mean, the, the less, the more, I should say, the more you ignore your mental health needs, the more you're going to spiral downward, which is just going to have a ripple effect yep. uh, in the, in the household. Yeah. And, and that's such a huge point. I don't, know that, I mean, I think parents today are far more aware of mental health. Like that's, that's why we're here, right? Because people are beginning mm-hmm. to talk about it and we want to make a difference. But I also don't think parents always know how much their emotional reactions to things impact their children's future coping skills and their, their children's future emotional well-being. And so um, it is really important to take care of yourself and show how you do that and let your kids see you managing your emotions as effectively as possible because they're learning from you. And um, if you don't take time to do it, then they're just, they're going to learn whatever it is you're struggling with and probably struggle with the same thing too. Yeah. And as we've said in past episodes, 75 to 80% of communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. It's not your words, it's your body language, it's your facial expressions. And in the incident I gave from three days ago, my body was communicating like nobody's business. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's truly, it's not even the words you say. I mean, if I were to extrapolate, like take the the actual content out of our most recent, you know, family discussion that was kind of unpleasant, <laughs> um, the words weren't the problem. It was the tone of voice. It was the yes. way we were standing. It was the volume of our voices. And those are the things that make it, you know, make us feel bad. The words themselves were completely innocuous. If we if we just read them, we'd have been like, oh, okay, cool. But when we deliver them with all that emotion behind it, that's that's when it gets ugly. So yeah. yeah. Well, we've kind of taken an exit ramp to Chad Nickyville. Let's get back on the, the road <laughs> to, to taking care of yourself. Online tools. Is that helpful? Because you can go to, as they call it, Dr. Google and Google stuff is, is that an effective way to maybe, I don't want to say self-diagnose, but at least to kind of go, okay, maybe I do need to take that step and see my primary care physician. There is so much information on the internet. Yeah, but not all that's great. Not all that's great. And that's, that's where, you know, our previous conversations about like, make sure you're, you're using a site that's well-renowned and, and, you know, just vetted out. And so like WebMD is pretty solid, you know, the Mayo Clinic, um, my very, very favorite, and I'll plug it every chance I get, is helpguide.org. Um, these are all sources that you can you can trust that the information was written by experts and, and worth looking at. But yes, you can you can search topics, different mental health topics. There's lots of online sort of scales you can take that will tell you, you know, are you having lots of signs of anxiety or depression? And if you rate high on those, 
it's not a diagnosis. So I want to be clear about that. Like yeah. if you're getting a diagnosis on the internet, you're doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, but it can give you information to take to your doctor. It can give you information to bring up with your counselor to find out more about what's going on because a, a diagnosis is not a, you know, a clear cut, like it, it, it involves a lot of different factors. And so you definitely want that to be done with a professional who takes the time to get to know you and can ask you all the appropriate questions to make sure that that's correct. But you can get a lot of really good information, but also um, online, you know, I, I laugh at online quizzes because, you know, some of them are like, what friend's character were you or, you know, what oh, animal? Chandler being, hello. Yeah, of course, Monica. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, those taught me a lot about myself, but uh, but that's, that's not what we're talking about here. But there, there really are you know, sort of tested out reliable mental health resources online that you can search for that can help you get a starting point. And as long as you use them that way, just as like information and a, and a place to begin, that's great. You don't want the internet to necessarily be your mental health provider. Yeah. Um, but that, that takes us then into like online counseling. There's mm -hmm. a bunch more options for therapists. And so with many local mental health centers backed up and having wait lists and things like that, more people are trying some of these online resources for counseling and having good luck. I, I cannot, you know, vouch for anyone in particular as I've not used them or, or studied their, their practices, but I know that that is an option. And so, you know, test it out, check it out, read about them, make sure that they're secure and safe and, and financially appropriate for you. Um, but those are options as well. Speaking of financially appropriate, check with your HR department or your insurance coverage because some places will, will either give you free mental health services through an online counselor or very, very discounted rates. So just something to check into. You mentioned earlier about journaling gratitude. What does it do? What can it do if you journal the bad things? If you're going under the thought of like, I'm going to get all the angries out on paper. Is that helpful or is that more hurtful? Because now you're seeing it written in front of you. So I, I think this is one of those things where on one side of the coin, I can see there being some benefit on the other. I can see some concern. So I think Same. it comes down to how you like how you do it, what your intention is. If if you're getting the ugly stuff out on paper and then you're sitting down with someone and sort of reframing it or maybe reprocessing the information, finding the good in it or, you know, in some other way, symbolically allowing those things to like leave your brain, that could be really healthy uh, to, to put all the negative down. But if you're dwelling, if you're every single day writing yeah. six pages of this is awful and I hate my life and everything is horrible, that's not good, right? Not that's good. that's not what we mean by sort of venting your, your frustrations and that kind of thing. I mean, it's okay to unload into paper or in writing the things that are bothering you, but you, you want to think about how you're utilizing that writing. Is it is it to stay in the negative or is it to help you get through the negative to the positive? Um, and, and if you're not sure, if, if you sit down and you try to write and you're six pages in and it's it's just the darkest thing you've ever written, okay, maybe take that when you go meet with the counselor and talk with them about what happened there and see if they can give you some guidelines on how to make your writing you know productive and helpful for you and not have it you know make you feel worse. And that's probably a, a like, clause we should put out there. If you try something to make your mental health better and it's like making it worse and you're feeling significantly worse, you need to, you need to change up what you're doing. Talk to somebody about it. Let your doctor know, let your counselor know, because sometimes when we change our habits, things can feel worse for a minute. That's not unusual. Um, but it's, it's not, if it's making you feel significantly worse, you shouldn't keep doing it. Yeah. If the remarkable company that does the digital notepad wants to sponsor our mm -hmm. podcast and send me one, I will start journaling. Um, just saying. So, <laughs> You're willing to test that out for them. You'll I'm take willing to fall on the sword for that one. 
Nikki, is there anything else we haven't talked about yet about why it's important to take care of yourself? I think we've covered a lot of ground. And I think if if listeners walk away with this idea that it is important to check in with yourself and take care of yourself and it's not selfish, you know, to take time to do things for you, then I feel like it was it was well worth it. And there's lots of different ways to do it. And I, I think it's okay to do things on your own. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to take medicine. It's okay to try different things. All of that is okay. And and kind of taking it back to what you said, it's okay to not be okay. And and the key though is that once you realize you're not okay, figuring out what is it going to take to get to that. Because gosh, it's just a lot easier when we are okay. And it's better for our kids if we can find that that okayness too. All right. So I feel better. I feel good. We've taken care of ourselves for the last 40 minutes or so. So <laughs> that is why it's important to take care of yourself, I guess, right? Putting the me in mental health. On our next episode, we're going to talk about one of my subjects that I'm really looking forward to, and it's going to be kind of titled Anxiety Loves Avoidance, mm-hmm. and we'll just leave it at that. So our whole goal in starting this podcast was to start a conversation, and that conversation continues with you. 